February 2nd, Addie came home from school with complaint of chest pain. I thought I hit it on my desk at school, and it was just bruised and swollen. My cousin's uh, travel nurse came over, checked her, and said that something wasn't right. They needed, we needed to get it checked with a sonogram. Uh, when we went into the doctor's appointment, they doing the sonogram, you could see a big mass on her right side. It was kind of scary seeing all that. I mean, it could be cancer or not be cancer. They said if they had got the results back, they would give us a call. They didn't call. And they did not call. It was scary. Mm, was... I mean, I, I was in bed all weekend. I was so sick. It was more stressful because you're, you're expecting the call to say good or not good. Right. And then when you don't get a call, it even makes you go, what's going on more? You want to know. You're like, what does that mean? What it, like, what are these colors stand for? What, you know, why couldn't she tell us then? And it just so happened we had the small group meeting Tuesday, right mm -hmm. before, so. We're having a meeting, and we're gonna, they were going to pray over Adelina. So everyone prayed. Uh, Pops got on the ground with her, and that's just very emotional to me to see the much love that we have. He got down on his knees, and he told my dad, once we're done, you're gonna have to help me out. Everyone was around me. We were just needing that prayer, because like I said, we didn't really share with anybody what was going on, because it all happened, I want to say so fast, but it really wasn't, it was drawn out, but it happened so fast. So um, when we were there and everybody prayed, I mean, I just was so emotional, crying worried, everything like that. And on Wednesday, we had the doctor's appointment. We go. When I walked in, I also saw a line canvas. My dad's boss told him he had a vision of me being like David and defeating the lion. And then when we w went into the appointment and they told us everything was good and that there was no issues, I would take it beforehand by any touch you know, putting a hand on her, giving her a hug, she was complaining. The doctor's pushing, trying to find something, there was nothing there. Um, we walked out and that's when, when she said that, you know, that I conquered the lion. And that was, that, that really got me more than what I could say because our faith over fear was, was pretty strong. I was relieved that nothing was wrong. So I feel like, I learned that he can heal, and from there I knew that I was ready to get baptized because then I was dedicating my body to him. And then Sunday she was baptized. So after we found out the results, I mean instantly she was like, I want to write this down so I can say it at my baptism. So we wrote her like a little speech so she could say it. I wanted to read it because he can heal me and he can heal everyone else because he's the God of miracles. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. He's the God of miracles. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings have I perfected praise, the word of God tells us. Thank you, Addie, so much for helping all us old folks. Remember, he's still resurrected. And he's still doing miracles. You know, we celebrate today the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. Our Savior's not dead. He rose from the dead. And the Bible talks about how he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us.
going in that space saying, oh, Father, don't let them fall to that. Father, you got to help them and don't listen to Satan's lies about them. That's the God that we serve today. Are you with me today? Say yes. Let's jump into the Word of God today. In John chapter 20, I want to read that moment where they realized, they came to the understanding that Jesus had raised from the dead, that he was no longer dead. John covers it in a real special way. And then from there, we're going to kind of look at what Jesus then did. In John chapter 20 and verse 1, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on. If not, it'll be on the screen for you. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, remember that name, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon, Peter, and the other disciples. She left the tomb. She went and found these guys. And she, and she, uh, she said, no, um, the one Jesus loved... Uh, John is writing this, and I think it's hilarious that John doesn't call his name in this whole time, but he keeps referring to himself as the one who Jesus loved. I mean, I'm not going to tell you who's writing this, but the one who Jesus loved was there. And, and so and she says to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple... Still talking about himself. The other disciple outran Peter because Peter isn't as good as I am or as strong as I am. And he reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of linen. So I was the first one to look in. I just want to point that out. This is what John is saying. And, uh, and he says, <laughs> but then he didn't see anything lying there. The strips of linen lying there. Um, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, again, he wants to keep reminding us that he was better than Peter, also went inside, and it says, he saw and believed. In that moment, whoa, wait a minute, he's really not here, and we know we didn't do anything because we've been scared to death. He has risen. And then John does something different in his gospel than the other gospels do. John starts pointing out that Jesus went on a mission looking for different ones to let them know not only was he resurrected, but that he loved them. He went looking for them. Years ago, I was traveling. I was a traveling minister. My wife and I um, uh, had big influence around the nations of the earth. I was running a Bible school. And I get a phone call from a friend of mine, and he says, Hey, Pastor Adam, there is a prophet, and he's looking for you. I don't know about you, but if a prophet is looking for me, my first, my first thought was, oh, dear God, Jesus has let them know how much sin is in my life. I'm about to get found out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like as a kid at the little church we went to, and they say, oh, we're going to have, a, have some people who move in prophecy come. I'm like, Jesus, I ain't going to that service. Because I have a picture. They're going to say, you back there, stand up. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. And so I was like, what does he want? He said, well, God woke him up and gave him the name Adam McCain. He told me this man of God's name. I didn't really know this man. I said, well, I don't know who he is. He said, he doesn't know you either, but God woke him up. And he said, he gave him the name Adam McCain. And he began to call around to other pastors and leaders. Does anybody know a guy named Adam McCain? Until he got a hold of me. I'm friends with him. And I said, I know Pastor Adam McCain. I know him well. And he said, well, I've got three pages of prophecy that I've got to give him. God has a word for him. 
And so I was like, well, only because you trust him will I trust him. Because I don't trust half of these jokers that call themselves anyway. Bless the Lord. And so I said, well, listen, I've got small group in my living room next week on Tuesday. Tell him to come then. That way I was thinking I don't have to prepare anything. Somebody else can kind of teach him and stuff. And so he drove from four or five hours away, and he showed up at our house. He came a little early, and I met him at the door. And This man was an older man, probably in his 60s or so. He had long silver hair down the middle of his back, looked like he rode a Harley or something. Not what I expected. Not what I expected. He was a man's man. He came walking in my house, and he said, are you Pastor Adam? And I said, yes. He said, God gave me a word for you. And then, you know, I, my, my little barriers went up because of all the weird people out there over the years, you know. And I said, well, we'll see. And I said, well, I said, well listen, you came a little late and people are going to start showing up. So before you say anything to anybody else, let me come figure out who you are. You can give me the word. And so I put him in, a side, in my side office and, and he began to read it. God says, he has need of you. He has seen that your heart has been pure before him. And he's trying to pour out his last day's new wine oil, but he needs someone who will put together a new wine skin that can hold the new wine. And then he went on. He's tried to give it to this one, this one, and this one, and he started naming off mega pastors in the Metroplex. He said, but they were not willing to shift and actually care about small group life, about the people being ministers. And he said, but he's chosen you, if you will, but say yes. By this time, I'm on the floor. I'm like, yes, God, yes. But when I got the call that someone was looking for me, it caused two things to happen to me. Number one, I was greatly, greatly motivated by fear that something inside of me is not good enough. Something that I've done is wrong. But then I was motivated by excitement because someone was looking for me. Jesus raises from the dead, and he goes looking for some people. Can I tell you who he went looking for? Would that be all right for a few moments? Let me tell you the first person he went looking for. He went looking for Mary Magdalene. In fact, she's the first person he's appeared to. Can I read that to you out of the scripture? Is that all right? In John chapter 20, verse 11, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. What was she doing? What was she doing? She's brokenhearted. She's brokenhearted. Jesus goes looking for the first person he goes looking for is that one who's brokenhearted. Come on, somebody. He's talking to us today. And as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white. I just want to point that out. <clears throat> Come on. I'm, I'm bringing back Miami Vice. I just want y'all to crock tubs. All right. And seated near Jesus' body had been, and one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, or they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw, say his name, Jesus, standing there, but she did not realized that it was him sometimes our hearts get so broken and we go through such difficulty in life we don't realize that Jesus has come looking for us and he's there to heal us and he's there to fix us some of you have had a bad few years and you've given up on life you've given up on the Lord I want you to know he's looking for you he went to this woman and he found her do you know who Mary Magdalene is she's the woman that Jesus had cast seven demons out of she ain't grow up in the church she ain't holier than thou she got a few tattoos and a few nose rings. Come on, somebody. She'd been through some things. In fact, many scholars believe that she was the one that the Bible refers to had lived a really mm, not-so-good life. 
who came and poured out her oil on his feet when he was there at the Pharisee's house and washed his feet with her tears. Some believe that's who this Mary Magdalene is. In fact, Magdalene or Magdala, Magdalene is the city that she's from, and Magdala was known for being high prostitute population. And so many scholars believe that she had been in a prostitution season of her life and met Jesus. He cast the devil out of her, and now she's been running around following him because she's never had life like this, only to hear and realize as he's laying on, staying up on that cross and he breathes his last breath that it breaks her heart. And she's like, now what is life about? What is life all about? What will I do? And who does he go after? He goes after her. He comes looking for her. And when she sees him, she doesn't even know it's him. In fact, if you keep reading, she actually thinks he's the gardener. You know, Pastor Jonathan Pena, our Mansfield pastor, he's Hispanic. He said, Pastor Adam, it's always like you white people. He said, you always, he, you, Jose, you, she thought Jose was the gardener. It was Jesus, the whole, Jesus, and, and the, you white people. I was like, Pastor Jonathan, you cannot say that this Sunday. I will not repeat that. So I, he said it, I didn't. I just want point that whole thing out and she's having this conversation with who she thinks is the gardener and she's like they've taken my lord sir if you know what they've done show me and i'll go get his body I'll, I'll just please sir and all of a sudden look in verse 16 he looks at her and he says mary and she goes rabbi i've come looking for you girlfriend and for the next few moments he ministers to her he says, listen, I'm going to go to the Father, your Father, my Father. And he gives her assignment. Go tell those old knothead boys that I'm risen from the dead. She's the first preacher of the resurrection. Come on, somebody. He goes after who? The brokenhearted. Those that everybody else doesn't think is as valuable. The person who's been kind of falling around in the ministry and her little job was after she'd gotten delivered and, you know, she's that little lady that doesn't have all the doctrine down and she doesn't have all the theology down. And she, but she loves Jesus and she gets her heart broken in the process. And what does he do? He goes after her. He's coming after the broken. If you're broken in this place today, stop running and just stand there because he's looking for you. He is looking for you and he wants to heal you and let you know how much he doesn't accuse her he doesn't humiliate her he says Mary I love you I'm going to the father our father in other words you're in this with me girlfriend God has freed you and I tell you this day don't be broken then he goes looking for a second person not chronologically but but John records another guy he goes looking for Thomas everybody say Thomas you know what we know about Thomas. Poor guy, doubting Thomas for the rest of his existence. Had one bad moment, and now he's labeled, labeled, doubting Thomas. Let me, look at the, let me take you to the moment where he kind of got the title of doubting Thomas. In John chapter 20, verse 24, Jesus is resurrected, and he's actually shown up to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. It says, now Thomas, also Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, he's risen. He's raised. I mean, he's alive. He's, it's really happening. We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. Because let me tell you something. I was there. I saw them drive nails into that man's feet. I've never seen that happen. This was the most vicious, horrific thing I've ever seen. I heard him 
as he breathed his last breath and said into my, your hands, I commit my spirit. That man's dead. He's dead, dead, dead. I don't think he was that much of a doubter. I think he was just a practicalist. I think he was just like, there ain't no way. Risen from the dead doesn't happen. See, you got to understand between the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, there was 500 years that God did not engage with his people Israel. It had been dark ages. They had not had miracles. They had not had God's voice. They had not seen anything supernatural. This man is the multiple generation of those who hadn't seen anything powerful from God. Yet he has spent the last three years seeing Jesus do miracles. But he's still struggling with can Jesus do a miracle for me. I saw him do that for Lazarus. And I saw that. But can this whole thing be resurrected? Because the ministry is over. He's gone. We put his body in the tomb. There is no way unless I see the nail marks. Unless I put my finger in those holes. Unless I I able to come up to his side, put my hand up against that side where I saw him spear him in the side. I will not believe. Some of us are like that. We've had these life experiences that cause us to doubt that Christianity's real. Some of us have started deconstructing our faith because we went through something and we've got doubt. I want you to know Jesus goes looking for him, just like he's looking for you. He goes, he's not scared of your doubt because he's the Lord. Because he's resurrected. And I want you to read with me the moment that he goes in. It says a week later in verse 26 of John 20. He says a week later his disciples were in the house again. And who was with them? By name. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. You know why he had to say peace be with you? Because they, they were behind locked doors. Because they had at this point it had been a week since he resurrected. And so once everyone who had killed him are being told, this, his followers are saying he's resurrected. That movement ain't going to stop. That movement's going to explode because you made a martyr out of him. And now, but so, you, so they start thinking, we're going to have to kill all of his followers. So they know that they're going to be martyred. And so they are hiding in a house with the doors locked. And they're worried about who's knocking on the door. Who's, Jesus don't worry about knocking on the door. He walks through the walls. And they're all like, ah! And he goes, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And, they're like, and then look what he does. Then he said to who? Who did he say it to? Baby boy, I've been looking for you. I know you weren't there when I showed up with the crew. So I've been looking for you. And look what he says to him. He says, put your finger here in my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. He doesn't shame me. Like, boy, don't you remember Matthew chapter 26? What did I tell you? He doesn't do any of that. I want you to be encouraged today to understand, no matter how much doubt you've had, no matter how difficulty you've had, no matter how, how many times you've been broken in this whole process, of like, is God real? Is it, I've been through, I went through a divorce, I used to be a, a minister, and now, now I'm backslidden, I'm away from God, and I don't believe I can ever come back. I want you to know, Jesus is looking for you. The first thing he does when he resurrects is he goes looking for those who are hurting. I don't know if I'd have done that. I want you to think about it. If you were Jesus and you resurrected, I want you to think, well, first of all, who would you go looking for? I bet most of us would go looking for mama. That's what I probably would have done. You know, he's not married. I would have went to mama. Mama, mama. And I'd have showed up. Hey, mom, it's real. I'm alive. It's okay. Just want you to know I'm okay. Are you okay? Yes. I might have then went and found me pilot. That's who I'd have went and visited. 
That dude who sentenced me to death and washed his hands of it, I'd have showed up in the middle of the night right at the foot of his bed. Pilot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'd have made that joker have a heart attack right there. Boom, 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 boom. But Jesus goes looking for those of us that are hurting and broken and difficulty in our life. He goes looking for them. And what does he do? He still goes forward and loves on people who made mistakes. This is the resurrection story. This is why he did what he did. And he kept doing it and kept doing it. He's looking for you today. Don't run away from him. He's looking for you because he wants to restore you to himself. He wants to give you hope again. He wants to encourage you again. And look how Thomas responds after he touches the, the scars in his hands and the side. Jesus tells him, stop, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and God. My Lord and God. And a moment, a moment, everything shifted for him because he touched Jesus. And then here's the third person he went looking for that was pretty critical that John covers and that is the guy we all love and know as a disciple is Peter. Come on, you ex-Catholic, St. Peter. He went looking for Peter. I identify with Peter because Peter's always running his mouth, always getting himself in trouble. Peter, just before they came to get Jesus, Jesus had told them, hey, they're going to come get me, and, and you guys are all going to run away on me. And Peter said, not me, Lord. He said, I'm ready to fight. Let's bring this thing on. I got my little knife here. Bring it on. And in that moment, Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, I love you, buddy. But before the rooster crows, you're going to deny. one of his followers he said no 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 and finally he gets down to the last time that the little servant girl asked him and he starts cussing her out listen do you blank and blank babe i told you i ain't beeping with him and i believe about that moment the sun kind of rose a little bit the rooster crows and across the courtyard i believe he saw and locked eyes with jesus and looked up at him at that moment can you imagine the brokenness jesus went looking after peter because peter was a failure and Peter felt the depths of his failure. And some of you feel like you failed God. Some of you feel like your life is a failure. You failed that marriage. You, didn't, you weren't faithful to your kids. You, you've got this life of failure. And so even the thought of Christianity has some kind of difficulty for you because you think i got to be good before I can be received. And can I tell you something? None of us are good enough to be received. He died on a cross so that he can make a way for us to come to him. And we come by grace. And we say, Lord, here's all my failure. And he says, I love the failures. I love the failures. And he proves it, that he goes looking for Peter. At the point in which we're going to read here in just a moment, Peter had already quit on the ministry, and he went back fishing. He went back fishing. He's like, it's over, it's done. Whatever, Jesus is resurrected, but whatever, it's done. Because he's still carrying the shame of his failure. Some of, some of you in here know what I'm talking about. You said, God, I'll never do that, and you've done it. God, I'll, I'll serve you, and you haven't. And you feel like a failure. And, and, and Peter was in that space. And in John chapter 21, they're out fishing. They've been fishing all night long. 
And some guy on the shoreline yells out at them, hey, y'all caught anything? They said, no, we hadn't caught anything. Throw on the other side. Now, real fishermen in this room hate when somebody thinks they know how to catch fish when we've been fishing all day long. Yes. <laughs> Have you tried a bender? Yeah, thanks. What about plastic worms? I hear they're biting on those. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Shut up. <laughs> Jesus yells up, try the other side. They're like, oh, who is this dummy? Might as well. And they throw on the other side, and the nets fill with fish. And all of a sudden, Peter has a, a remembrance. This is the same way he came to Christ. Because Christ had done that with him years earlier. And he went, it's the Lord. And the Bible says he jumps in the water in his underwear. Because they work him, you know, out in their draws through the night because it's so hot. And he swims. Choo, choo, choo. He, gets to, he gets to the shore. And Jesus already got breakfast going. He got some eggs. Come on, he's got a little bit of biscuit. Come on. All you southern folks with gravy on that biscuit. He don't have any bacon, though, because they're Jews. They don't eat bacon. I saw y'all like, say bacon, Pastor. Say bacon. No, they ain't got no bacon. They Jews. They don't eat no pork. And Jesus, I believe, kind of pulled him aside and said, Peter, let's take a walk. Let's take a walk. And Peter's like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Come on. You ever had the principal say, let's take a walk when you was a kid? Y'all didn't get that? I got that like every day. Just saying, let's take a walk. And Jesus, as he's taking a walk with him, look what he says. He says, when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all of this? Yes, Lord, he said. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lamb. I called you. Go back to what I called you to do. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And a third time, is that three? Mark anybody? Denied him three times. Jesus is reinstating him three times so we can break that curse of failure off of him and that sense that I'm unworthy and I can't do it right. He's breaking it off. He's reset. Then just do what I told you to do, buddy. Just do what I told you to do. I want you to know today, I don't care how much you fail, Jesus is looking for you. I want you to know today, I don't care how much doubt you've had with all the junk that's happening in our world. No matter how much doubt you had, Jesus is looking for you and he wants to give you life again. And I don't care how wicked you've been in the past and how broken you are today. He comes looking for you because he's the one who heals up the brokenhearted. He's the one who forgives the failures. He's the one that gives truth to those who are confused and deceived. And I want to take a moment today and I want the Lord to minister to us on this Resurrection Sunday. So if you'll do me a favor, would you just stand with me all across the room? For our online family, we're about to take communion together. So I would encourage you, go run to the cabinet, get some crackers or whatever you might would have and take communion with us. And God can work through whatever you have in your house as we take communion together. Now, as our leaders are passing out the elements, I just want you to get them in your hand for a moment. And I want to just take us through this moment as we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But I want you to be able to open up your heart in this moment. If you failed the Lord, I want you to know He's looking for you today. If you've struggled to believe that this whole thing is real, 
I want you to know he's looking for you today. He's not mad at you. He's not intimidated. If he's God, then how would he be intimidated because you have doubt? Either he is or he isn't. He wasn't worried about Thomas's doubts. He wouldn't have proved himself. If you're broken today, you're like, I didn't even want to come to church. My friend made me. My cousin made me. Mama said we going. But you're broken on the inside. And you're like, look, I don't even want to get up some mornings and go to work. I want you to know Jesus is looking for you. His words to you are the same words that he gave to each one of them. He called them by name, Mary, Thomas, Peter. Come here. I got something I want to do for you. I want to heal you. I want to fix you. So here's what I would ask you to do for a couple moments. Just bow your heads right where you're at and create a space where you can have a moment with the risen Savior. Picture in your mind that you're sitting across the table there at Starbucks. Nobody else in the room matters. If you've been broken, then I want you to turn to him just like Mary did. She turned and he said, Mary, I want you to turn to him and say, Lord, if you're real, I need you to heal my heart. I need you to heal this marriage. I'm looking to you, Jesus. If you've been confused, full of doubt, unbelief, that I want you to own that and say, Jesus, I need your help. I've really doubted if this whole thing's even real, if you're real. I've seen so much dead religion, I've never known a real relationship with you. Or if you failed him miserably, you failed in life miserably, I want you to know he's chasing after you. And just like he did with Peter in a moment, in a moment, he made him so successful. He, he caught more fish in a moment when he wasn't even supposed to be fishing. Our Jesus, our Jesus is looking for you. Turn to him and let him love on you today. With your head bowed and your eye closed. If you have sin in your life, I want you to repent of it right there and say, Jesus, forgive me. If you've been away from God and you're not sure that if you died today, then I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So right where you stand, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of repentance. And you can quietly, under your breath, repeat this prayer making a dedication to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, allowing Him to be the Lord of your life, repenting of your sins. And here's how I'd like you to pray it, right there under your breath. Jesus, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've sinned against you, but today I repent of my sins. And here and now, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for resurrection. Thank you for resurrecting my life in this holy moment. I give myself completely to you in Jesus' name. Now, if you'll go ahead and take the communion elements, and if you'll peel back that first layer, revealing the little wafer on the inside. Take it, put it in your hand. The Bible says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is representative of my body. I'm about to give for you. They're going to beat me with a cat of nine tails. They're going to curse me and spit on me and rip the hair out of my beard. They're going to drive 
a crown of thorns into my skull, but I'm doing it for you. And as often as you can, and as often as you can, take communion, remembering what I did. As you eat the wafer, recognize that my body was sacrificed for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being martyred for me, tortured for me. You took my sin and you paid the penalty for me. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you flip it over and pull back the tab that reveals the juice. The Bible says in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He says, listen, he says, as often as you can, take this juice, take of the cup. He goes, because this is literally my blood that I'm going to shed is going to be the seal on the covenant relationship with you. He says, I'm starting a new covenant. If you'll follow me, he says, I will lead you to the Father. This is a new covenant relationship that we have. We don't have to kill little animals. We don't have to burn their little bodies. We don't have to go to a priest. We go to Jesus. And so when we take of this, he says, I want you to take of it and refresh the covenant. When you go on date night, you're refreshing the relationship. He says, I want you to refresh your covenant with me every time you take of it. So let's take now in Jesus' name. You can just pass the plastic to the end of the row and would you lift one hand once you get that past it in a row? And I want you to receive right now grace. Lift one hand. Receive grace. Grace to you. Jesus pours out his love and grace and mercy to you. Healing your bodies. Having forgiven your sins. Come on, receive the love of God right now. Mary embraced me. She embraced him so tight that he had to say, girlfriend, let go of me. The forgiveness in that moment, the healing of her brokenness in that moment. Come on, embrace him right where you stand. congregation let's close it with this last prayer repeat this with me say Jesus I love you thank you for not just dying on the cross come on say it not just dying on the cross but resurrection thank you Jesus for healing me thank you for forgiving me thank you for looking for me and I will chase you all my days I said amen and amen. Can we applaud how good God is to us? We love you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. Thank you for being at our hey, Easter service. Thank you services. for joining us online Again, here at Hill City. We We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week 
wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.